What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago. Chicago's new Board of Education will meet later this week for the first time since Mayor Brandon Johnson handpicked his members. And the clock is ticking as this will be the last fully appointed board before school board elections begin next year. So what makes this group different from their predecessors? And how much can we actually expect them to accomplish in just a year and a half? It's Monday, July 24th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. Sarah Karp is an education reporter with WBEZ. Welcome back to CityCast. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Sarah, how different are Johnson's picks from, say, Lightfoot or Rahm Emanuel's, the people who came before him? Sure. Well, they're very different than Rahm Emanuel's picks. Um, okay. let's, let's just put that out there. Um, a lot of Rahm Emanuel picks were attorneys or bankers or people like that. Same with like Mayor Daly, who's, you know, very far in the past. But, you know, he tended to stick with business type people. He liked business type people. There was usually a principal or two on their boards, but that was the extent of like the education Mm -hmm. um, voice. We've talked about that before, that previous mayors have taken this sort of corporate CEO language and, and vibe towards picking their head of schools and their board members. But the the more recent mayors have shifted from that, it sounds like. Right. And Lightfoot, actually, her board was much more, you know, community activist people than than previously. I mean, we people have a lot of criticism of her, but you just have to, you know, give some credit. I mean, Lightfoot sort of moved away from the the banker attorneys. And now this group is much more, you know, formerly on the streets, marching, (laughs) marching Mm -hmm. outside the Board of Education. You know, now they've come inside and they're sitting at the at the head table. So, um, yeah, so it's that's much different. How much of a game changer is this new board? Well, I do expect that they're going to push against some of the status quo in, in Chicago public schools. I mean, you know, there, there's there's a way big difference between advocating for something and actually knowing that what you say and what you do is going to change somebody in some people's lives. So um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Many of the people on this board are not huge supporters of charter schools, right? Those are privately run um, public schools. Now, however... They're not going to come in and just be like, no more charter schools, because that wouldn't make sense. There's there's over 55,000 kids in Chicago public schools attend charter schools. So you're, you're not going to just immediately tell them that your school is no longer. Exactly. Um, that would go against everything that they ever said. But do I think that some of the, A, I don't expect that they're going to 
add more charter schools. I think they're going to scrutinize charter schools. So I think that those things will be will be present. They're not going to rip the Band-Aid off, but I think that they'll definitely push in the direction they want the school district to go. Mm-hmm. Is this sort of near complete overhaul normal for incoming mayors? Is this something you see with every administration? Yes. Um, you know, I, I wasn't a thousand percent sure what um, Mayor Johnson would do because you know, we waited a little bit of time before he made the announcement. I mean, it was like a couple months went by and a number of the Lightfoot people that that were on the board now had just been put on the board, like within the last year. So I wondered if he might keep some of those people. They weren't um, ideologically like totally different than than he is. But I guess he said, nope, (laughs) he brought in, you know, he only kept the one woman on the board who's, you know, very, very much a, a progressive. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Vice President Elizabeth Todd Breland, who you're talking about, is the only carryover from Lightfoot's era. Why do you think Johnson is keeping her um, and how does she fit in with in this new board? Well, I have to say she is the person who um, speaks up the most, who has voted no the most. Um, on things, you know, based on her values. Now, I actually think one thing that's interesting is she was able to be a progressive and to, 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 you know, say what she wanted to say and do what she wanted to do, knowing that even if she voted no, the thing was going to pass. So it would continue. For example, she always votes no on the contract with the police department that keeps Chicago public, um, schools having police officers of school resource officers however now if she votes no she might also be joined by enough people that they'll actually carry more over right right this new board right and and it might have more consequences like it might mean that a school that really wants police officers will no longer get them and that Mm -hmm. that could be controversial so i i do think that that there's going to be a little more you know, thought on her end about some of the, the the things that she votes no on. The new school board president is John Ann Shee, who spent the last few years leading the parent advocacy group Raise Your Hand before stepping down for this position. What else can you tell me about them and the other new school board members? Sure. So John Ann, you know, he, he was a teacher prior to becoming um, the executive director of Raise Your Hand for public education. Um and that's a group that was started, you know, I think maybe 13, 14 years ago um, by parents who were upset at proposals to increase class sizes during a budget crisis. And so since then, that, that group has, has really, you know, done a lot advocating for parents is probably the most, um, you know, sort of well-known parent advocacy group in Chicago. One of the people that I did not know prior to her becoming a board of education member, but who's an interesting choice. Her name is um, Tanya Woods, and she leads a legal aid clinic on the West Side. And last week, she, the board, for, you know, for the first time, they had what they call an agenda meeting. So basically, they go through agenda items and they talk to CPS officials about why they want each of these items to be approved. And she asks a lot of very um, interesting questions about public safety, about criminal justice, how policies with the school district relate to them. So I think she's going to wind up to be a very interesting choice. I mean, she's a lawyer, so she's exacting and she's very mm-hmm. you know, precise questions, but also 
you know, she has this lens of coming from a legal aid background. And, and that's, um, that's one thing I think that she'll be an interest. She's an interesting choice. You know, I, there's one really interesting thing too. So Rudy Lozano, um, was a member of the board. Um, you know, he has a famous father, right? Um, he's a junior and who is a, you know, a strong community activist and, and politician. And, Something that one of my colleagues pointed out is that, you know, he, he's he's run for various positions against like the establishment Democrats. And that that actually, you know, that kind of made sense to me because I feel like uh, Brandon Johnson really wants to move away from like the establishment Democratic, you know, the the Madigans and the Burks and the kind of like the, that elk of Democrats in Chicago and be sort of this new progressive voice, you know, of the people. So I think that 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 was also an interesting choice that, you know, I was trying to figure out the logic. And I think that's that might have been behind that. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patients' smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. I mean, speaking of politics, this board is about to get a lot more political in the next couple of years. Is This is the last fully appointed board before it transitions to a partly elected one and expands from seven to 21 members in January of 2025. How will the board function between now and 2025? You know, it's very interesting. One thing that they said was that they're, they're really focused on creating structures that will make it easier for an elected school board to come in and to function well. You know, some of that is going to be putting money into creating space and offices for 21 board members, you know, just that physical space, but also how much staff do you need to mm -hmm. staff 21 board members? You know, what other things do you need in place to make it function well? So I think that that's part of their their task. And then, you know, May Mayor Johnson has, has 11 of the appointees and then 10 will be elected in 2025, but he will have to decide if he's going to keep this group and then just add a few more or if he's going to, you know, go a whole different direction. So that's, it's also kind of interesting because they have a very short period of time to mm -hmm. do anything. You know, they don't have a long period of time that they're guaranteed to be sitting in those seats. How does that work if you are a board member or a prospective board member? You don't know if the mayor will appoint you. So should you run? Or maybe you have a leg up to know that you might get an appointment so you don't yeah. run. Like, what is the psychology behind that? What if a person loses an election, but the mayor appoints them? Like, how is 
Sarah, this seems like a complicated process coming up now that I ask more and more questions. No, we are going into unchartered territory. It is going to be a bit of insanity. And I have to say, like, you know, I've been covering Chicago Public School since 2005. Actually, the year my my baby who's going to college was born, I started covering Chicago Public Schools. And um, all this time we've been talking about an elected school board, an elected school board. And I, at one point I'm like, I just... I'm going to keep covering Chicago public schools until there's an elected school board. And now it's just a year away, a year right. and a half away. Um, <laughs> Don't but, leave me, Sarah. Don't I leave. Know. <laughs> but I do think it's going to be, um, there's so many unanswered questions. Uh-huh. I mean, there's just so many, you know, there's, there's these big questions, like how do we draw the maps? How do, you know, what kind of territories do people have? But there's a lot of little questions, like the one you brought up is, you know, how do you know if you're going to get appointed or if you should run? And the other thing that I think is is an interesting question is, do you draw the map right now so that there's 10 elected, so there's 10, so the city split into 10 regions and everybody gets to vote for at least one board member, knowing that in just two years, it's going to have to be split up again into 20 sections. And so I don't know. And then all the money questions, it's mm-hmm. it's it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because I, I do really, really expect that, you know, I talked about charters and how right now the mayor is not a, a very big proponent of charters. I expect that the charter community is going to, is looking at the elected school board and thinking that that's some where, money in that. You got to put your money in that. That's where you get the footing. Does this feel like a set of lame duck appointees? Or will they be able to make any big changes given how much they need to figure out? I I think that they're going to push the school district, but actually I don't think they're going to make any big, huge, gigantic changes because they do, they kept talking about how we have a very short term. We have a very short, you know, short time on the board. But um, the other thing that everybody has to face is that in about a year and a half, um, the federal COVID money that has really, really been keeping mm-hmm. Chicago public schools afloat is going to run out. And we have no, I, uh, Chicago public schools has no idea of really how they're going to fill lingering budget holes. They just, they don't know, you know, this, this budget, um, CPS CEO Pedro Martinez says that he was trying to stabilize the budget a little bit, so not grow it too much like he has been. But still, there's hundreds of millions of dollars of staff people, hundreds of millions of dollars of staff people that are their salaries are being paid for with COVID relief money. When that is gone, what do you do? Do you lay them off? This board is going to really, really not like laying off hundreds of teachers. They are not going to like it. But they say that they want the state to chip in more money, you know, and I want, I want Santa Claus. I want to win the lottery. I want this Powerball to hit, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm like, good, good luck with that. I mean, they probably have a little better chance of getting state money than I have to win the Powerball, but still, you know, yeah. it's not guaranteed. And you and I have talked, I don't know, close to a dozen times now about all of the other challenges that Chicago public schools face right now from aging buildings, losing students, uh, providing more wraparound services uh, and providing more resources to 
in an equitable way across the city. You know, what do, what do we know about the board's priorities going into this very first meeting? One of the big things that's going to be going throughout throughout this entire year is the school system has already passed, the Board of Education already passed a new accountability policy that won't have um, like summative ratings, like a number or grade, but we'll have a whole bunch of indicators and that's coming into place. And as that ramps up, there's a lot of um, different things that the school district is going to have to pass and discuss, contracts, because, you know, it's one thing to say we want to rate, like, we want to look at different measures, but you have to figure out, okay, how are you going to rate those measures and then figure out how to communicate that to the public in a way that you know, we can understand because it's very easy, like in some ways to just understand a test score. But if you want to rely less on test scores, how do you, you know, how do you reflect these other things that people want, like culture and climate and um, access to opportunities? How do you reflect that in a way that people can grasp and and understand? Um, I know on this coming board meeting, they're going to talk about an accountability policy for the detention centers which also is a very, very interesting thing because you don't want to say those those schools should be left out of being accountable to students. But the population is very different than, you know, your typical schools. So so I think those type of discussions will be very interesting to listen to. Sarah, moving forward, uh, you know, back to school is not too far along. What are you going to be paying close attention to with this board as we sort of figure out the details moving forward? So the accountability policy, that's going to be one thing. The other thing is how they address um, the issue of school safety, because this board is very much against schools resembling anything like detention centers. They do, I do not think that they like police. I don't even think, um, you know, last week at the, at the agenda meeting, they were talking about metal detectors and how useful those are. And maybe they're not as useful as people think they are. You know, the teachers are going to expect and the staff are going to expect a lot. They're going to be expecting a lot. And so, you know, he's going to have to do a lot to sort of like say, this is not, you know, we can't do it. You know, yeah. we don't have the money. So I think I think all those things will be very interesting going into the next year. And then, per, you know, student achievement is still a big issue post the pandemic. You know, the um, CPS CEO Pedro Martinez has talked a lot about how they, they're seeing some good progress in literacy, but not as much in math. And, you know, that's, that's disturbing. I mean, we need our kids to, to know how to read, write and do arithmetic, right? So that's the whole point of this. You know, (laughs) it may be a futile question to ask you to to maybe prospect out too far because who knows what it'll look like down the road. But are you feeling optimistic about the future of the school board with everything that's in front of it? You know, I'm always optimistic. I was even optimistic when uh, when all things seemed to be going to pass. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I generally, I mean, I think education, you know, it is is always, you know, has to. You have to be optimistic when you cover education that good things can happen. And I'm always rooting for Chicago. I'm always rooting for Chicago public schools. So let's hope it all goes well. <laughs> so. The newest iteration of Chicago's Board of Education began their term last week, and the first board meeting is this Wednesday. We'll have a link in the show notes on how you can access the meeting. I want to thank our wonderful guest, 
WBEZ education reporter and like 10 times CityCast guest, Sarah Carr. <laughs> Sarah, thank you as always. Thank you. Have a great day. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Today's traffic is getting an extra bump as Vice President Kamala Harris is back in town for her second time this month. The VP will make multiple stops before attending a re-election slash DNC fundraiser in the Gold Coast. City Hall is hosting a youth budget roundtable tomorrow at 5 o'clock at the Harold Washington Library in the Loop. All can attend, but only folks 13 to 24 years old can participate. Please don't miss your chance this week to enjoy a free dance concert in your neighborhood park. Tuesday at Houston Park in Kenwood, Wednesday at Galewood Park in Austin, and Friday at White Park in Rogers Park. That's a lot of parks. And some good news. It's Crosstown Classic Week as the Cubbies make their way to 35th Street to take on the Sox tomorrow and Wednesday night. Y'all already know who I'm with, but I want to know who you're rooting for. Let me know at 773-780-0246. Leave me a text or a voicemail. I'll be back bright and early tomorrow, but in the meantime, in between time, head over to our brand new website, chicago.citycast.fm, and subscribe to our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago. I'm going to talk to y'all tomorrow. Peace.